Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. your engines it's time to talk about all things racing nascar indycar sports cars and formula one this is the final inspection show presented by the legendary great lakes dragaway in union grove now here's your host steve Saki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotti, along with the Polish Pipe, I'm Jeff Verlaski. And I'd like to thank our friends at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Uh, make sure you get out there uh, today for the Nitro Street Brawl. We got rain there right now, but uh, this should be moving through. This is just a su- uh, summer thunderstorm. Should be wet just for an hour or two, and then uh, the sun should be back out, and they should be drying out. So they should be okay for uh, later this afternoon tonight for the Nitro Street Brawl at Great Lakes Dragway. And then don't forget, next week, it's the Mopar AMC Festival. Uh, see all the cool Mopar Chargers and, and Superbirds and Dodge Darts and all that stuff uh, out at Great Lakes Dragway, along with, uh, you know, everybody loves a gremlin. You This is your chance to see a gremlin racing down the quarter mile at Great Lakes Dragway. And I'd also like to thank, thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale for all the best, not only new, uh, new Hondas, but also certified used Hondas and a wide variety of used Hondas. Uh, cars at david hobbs honda in glendale 6100 north green bay road and jeff uh we were texting a little bit last night uh, i was watching it from delay because uh, i was out and about last night but uh quite a wild race at iowa and uh certainly some uh pretty wild uh, wrecks there too uh last night in iowa oh absolutely and you know just what a great little uh portion of the schedule for for indycar here you know, you do the back-to-back races at um, at uh, Road America, and um, you know both of those were were wildly entertaining. And now you got the back-to-back in Iowa, uh, which is on an oval, which you know I love. And uh, you know, I think uh, Colton Herta might still be flying in the air. Uh, <laughs> He had some serious hang time. He made Michael Jordan kind of look uh, flat-footed there with with the ride that he went on last night, Steve. Well, I'm sure the drivers uh, today are going to have a pretty uh, firm conversation with race control because uh, the situation was they were going to go to green flag, and they waved the, uh, uh, they, they called off the green flag. And what is common, and, and I don't care what kind of racing, whether it's go-karts, your late models uh, at the dirt track or IndyCar racing, uh, the the biggest concern you always have is the guys in the back who might not be aware that hey that thing is uh, you know that that thing went back to yellow because those guys are trying to anticipate the green and that's kind of what happened where you had uh, uh, the two drivers I think it was uh, uh, 
uh, the other carpenter driver, Avike, uh, uh, came up on, on Pagano and he kind of got loose. And then uh, Herda her, her had no way to go, went right over the top of uh, Rina's VK. And uh, yeah, like you said, he went for a ride. And uh, to tip it, you know, this is kind of those situations where the, the kid should be in a car, but uh, James Hinchcliffe. Uh, doing a fantastic job in the booth with Paul Tracy made a good point with uh, you, you know with that safer barrier sticking out a bit of ways with that car sliding up by the fence it kept it away from the fence because he's right if that gearbox or something grabs that uh, you know grabs that grabs that fence we've seen that before in the past especially in the old IRL days you know that car starts spinning around and uh, that's bad news so I mean it was a bad situation but it was one of those where it was a bad situation uh vk you know it went over the top of his car the aerial shield worked uh, did its job and uh hurt you know herda came down on the safer barrier which helped kind of cushion the blow because let's face it that car is about six feet in the air uh you know you put yourself in your family car and drop yourself six feet into the ground that's you're going to feel that especially the way those way those guys so he was able to kind of come down on the wall and then kind of step down and it was kind of a best case scenario for a bad case uh, situation wasn't it jeff oh absolutely and you know it didn't take a lot of races for um you know for all the hell that the that the halo thing uh took before uh before it was implemented it didn't take that many races for it to uh to show that it uh you know to prove its worth shall we say and uh, i got a text from my buddy this morning oh man you know what a ride herda went on and you know i'm glad i didn't take that ride and i texted him back and i said well if i knew i was going to be okay it looked kind of fun uh <laughs> but you know you don't know that you're going to be okay when you're going right. through it and uh a very scary situation. Obviously, glad that uh, that everybody, you know, that that heard or walked away from it. Everybody was all right and all that. But uh, yeah, you know that it could have been a, a hundred times worse. And you know, again, the safer barrier uh, proves that uh, that that was one hell of the uh, invention. And, and same thing with the halo. So, it uh, yeah. a great job with uh, the safety all the way around on. Uh, on those cars and uh, for the track. And, uh, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why we're not talking about a catastrophe uh, last night, like we might have been, you know, say if this was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, it certainly is. And then uh, a situation with Will Power where the, you, know, you don't see this too often with uh, the, the tire not being attached uh, correctly on. And you looked at it in the replay, it looked like, trying to do too much and uh uh if you've ever worked uh, uh put a trying to put a wheel on on that you got to make sure it's being threaded on and he's kind of doing it with one hand he you know you put the tire on hit it and then he's making an adjustment to the wing and then he hit it again and obviously it didn't grab onto uh the hub and it, so it wasn't secure and he made it about a lap and then the car went into the wall and that was another scary situation with that tire coming right over the top of the car, uh, just missing power. So, um, yeah, but uh, also tip of the hat, though, to Connor Daly, who got his first career pole in IndyCar. Of course, Connor Daly, friend of the show, was on the show uh, here last year when he was up in Waukesha for an event. And, uh, yeah, great, great job by him and the Carlene team. Uh, so they're not only a first pole in IndyCar for Connor Daly, but also for that team that's, I think, in its third year 
um, and has such a, a, a wide history of success in Europe, but has been struggling a bit in the IndyCar series. But not only that, but also that McLaren team with uh, the Aero McLaren team uh, from the Sam Schmidt team uh, looking very good with those two kids. And uh, But it was uh, Simon Paginot starting from uh, last winning the race and Team Penske winning their first race. But there he is in second place, Scott Dixon, who is just putting a butt whipping on the field this year. And I mean, just, I mean, it's to the point, uh, Jeff, just hand him the championship trophy. I think at this point. Yeah. You know, the, the championship race for this season seems to be all but over. It would take a, uh, you know, just a complete and utter collapse by that team to, uh, to lose it at this point. And, between the uh, the talent of uh, of Scott Dixon and the equipment and all that, we no one expects that to happen. So, you know, it's kind of um, disappointing that you know, yes, it's a shortened season and it's different and all that because of uh, COVID and all that. Uh, you know, it's it's strange, but it, it's it's kind of a shame that uh, for the most part, the championships already wrapped up. And uh, and we're just in the middle of July. And I thought this and they was kind of even run Indy yet. Right, that's so strange. Because usually, it's all, Indy, you know, back in the uh, long long time ago, it used to be the, almost the first race of the year, or if not the second, third, or fourth race of the year. And yeah, here we are, and it seems weird. We're past you know past the halfway point of the summer, and we haven't even gotten to Indy yet. So it, it really is a strange year for not only just life in general, but especially for sports. But uh, this was a neat idea. I thought this was really cool yesterday, how IndyCar handled qualifying. You got a double header, and how they did qualifying yesterday, it was two laps. And your first lap was your time for race one yesterday, and then your second lap was uh, for for tonight's race. And so you had Connor Daly, who he had uh, basically – a warm-up lap and a half. So you came out of the pits and you hit the track, you went around, you got a warm-up lap, and then your second time you hit the start-finish line. That was your that was your uh, start of lap one. And his strategy was he went out there and some of the guys were kind of pacing themselves that first warm-up lap and then would speed up the second lap. He didn't. And he had a huge, obviously, uh, lap, won the pole for the lap one uh, for the race one, I should say, and then qual- and then his, his second lap was uh, good enough for third for tonight's race. And I thought that was a kind of a unique situation because you had a uh, some guys were I mean some guys were some almost ten places difference between the two because you know Iowa you know then that's what what makes this track so unique. It it it, it has some age in it, Jeff. And you got some bumps, and those guys hit those bumps, and you can really go for a ride. We saw uh, Takuma Sato do that uh, and a couple other drivers. And it certainly brings some not only skill, but also how you drive the track and where, where to set up your car and kind of to miss those bumps. You know, we had that at Milwaukee in the early 90s. And, you know, they've talked to, uh, now on the NASCAR side, they talk about Atlanta. The, the drivers love the, the bumps because they kind of can, some of the drivers use it to their advantage. Bobby Rahal's one was like, don't pay Milwaukee. I love the bumps. <laughs> I finally got the thing figured out. <laughs> so uh, Iowa is certainly kind of becoming that way, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, in this weird year uh, with the, the obviously completely different schedule and, uh, 
different tracks, more double headers, stuff like that. This is a fantastic way, uh, and I, I, I'm like you. I love the way that that Indy did the uh, did the qualifying last night. This is the season to try new things, mm-hmm. and you've got NASCAR. Like when they uh, did the the double header at Pocono, they just inverted the top twenty. Well, fine, but invert the whole field, you know, or or something like that, or you know how they do the draw for the pole now. But it's between the top 12. So if you're in the top 12 in points, you're guaranteed to start in the top 12, uh, which is phenomenal for uh, Eric Hamarola. That guy's got a uh, mm-hmm. a horseshoe uh, hidden somewhere because he just keeps uh, ending up on the front row week in, week out. But it's more entertaining when they come up with interesting ways like they did yesterday at Iowa for these cars to qualify. And, uh, you know, I... I agree with you. I thought it was phenomenal. And, you know, there's different strategies involved in it like there should be. And uh, and I like that. I'm a big fan. Yeah, you had a situation like yesterday. Tony Kanaan had a bad first lap, not the best first lap. I think he qualified like 18th or something. The second, yeah, because I think he hit one of those bumps, if I recall. But his second lap, much much better, got a top 10 qualifying, and you know had a, an issue yesterday where he brushed up the uh, against the wall and uh, uh, bent a control arm in that and, and had to retire early in the race. So not a good night for Tony Kanaan. But what's nice about these double headers is that tonight he's starting eighth, and you know. You know, tomorrow's a new day, so to speak. So uh, he can rebound from that, and he only has a couple more races to go uh, in his IndyCar career. And, uh, you know, that's one guy that's, lo- that's going to be loaded for Bear tonight. Well, and, you know, obviously being a uh, quite the fan favorite like, like he is, uh, you know, it, it's good to see, and it would be good for, for Kanan to, to run. And, you know, if he can finish on the podium, you know, even once once or twice this year, would would be a victory for him, I believe, and uh, and it would be great for the sport and great for the fans. All right, uh, we're coming up to a uh, break here, but let's do our predictions, Jeff. Uh, are we going to do all of them here? You want to do all four? Or? Well, our predictions for truck and Xfinity are the same. Yeah, you know Kyle Busch. Basically, yeah. So uh, and then tomorrow. I mean, we could go that route, too, because we've been picking uh, Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick for the Cup Series, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Uh, for for Texas, I uh, and I, Kevin Harvick, you know, I, I believe he's got 10 or 11 top 10 finishes there. Uh, but he hasn't won unless the uh, until the the later, you know, the, the later race in Texas. So consider, I think this is quote-unquote, the first race of the season at Texas. He hasn't won this one yet. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Eric Amarola. I think uh, okay. he's on the pole. Uh, he's shown nothing but speed. He won the first segment of uh, of the All-Star race and all that. So uh, he's got a ton of momentum. He's had a ton of great finishes. He's had phenomenal equipment. Hopefully uh, he, can, he can pull that bad boy into victory lane. All right, I'm going to go with Chalk this week. I'm going to go with Harvick in Texas. And for tonight, uh, for IndyCar, I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. uh, He was one of the fastest guys yesterday and had some uh, issues with uh, just the way he was pitting and and some strategy issues. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joseph Newgarden tonight in Iowa. What says you? 
Uh, I'm going to go with uh, with Will Power. I think he bounces okay. back after uh, after his problems uh, last night and uh, a ton of pit road problems lately uh, in all series and uh, not not by the young guys. It's happening by the veterans, and so yeah, it's exactly. uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, it certainly has. Well, Jeff, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Looking forward to chatting again next week. Uh, next week, I should be up in Road America for the uh, Vintage uh, Weekend up there, the Brian Redman Weekend, as they call it. And uh, for those who may not be aware, uh, legendary driver George Fulmer is going to be up there. He confirmed he'll be making an appearance. Uh, we're going to have a video appearance by Jackie Oliver, who unfortunately, because of the COVID-19, cannot travel here from England. And uh, because it's a shadow racing, for those uh, who may remember the old shadow racing cars uh, with uh, Don Nichols uh, and the UOP uh, uh, Petroleum Company sponsored the the legendary black cars that were so famous in uh, not only Can-Am racing, but Formula 5000 and Formula 1. So looking forward to chatting, and hopefully we'll have uh, George Falmer on the show next week as we report live from Road America. Looking forward to that. So, Jeff, once again, thank you for joining the show. And when we come up next, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to have three questions with Larry, Larry Janicek, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Yeah, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki. Uh, I'd like to thank our friends at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. They're getting a little wet now, but they should be uh, drying out here shortly. Uh, we have a thunderstorm that came through, but behind it looks uh, looks good. And with the heat, especially this weekend, uh, they should have cars back on the quarter mile at any time now here in the near future. And also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue for the best, not only new, but also certified used Hondas at davidhobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Larry Janicek. And Larry, uh, before we go into our three question segment, you know, we lost a, a legendary driver, Dick Passwater. And he, the last guy to race a Studebaker in national competition and I know that when he drove that car at the Milwaukee Mellon, a young, oh. young teenager, of course, crewing on a car. But do you remember that uh, Studebaker back out in 65? To be honest with you, I don't. But I <laughs> Studebakers were really neat cars. The Golden Hawk, the Silver sure. Hawk, those things were really fast, I believe. Uh, one or two years, they had uh, superchargers on them. Mm-hmm. Paxton product superchargers, they were really wild cars. Yeah, Dick drove a GT Hawk, uh, not only in USAC, but also uh, uh, ARCA competition in 64 and 65. And yeah, the last time the Studebaker uh, appeared in a national uh, sanctioned race in the United States. So uh, sad news, but 92 or 93 years old, that's a pretty good run for uh dick passwater who won a race uh i believe it was an oldsmobile in the mid 50s at the old charlotte fairgrounds this predates the uh the charlotte motor speedway oh yeah uh, at the old track wow yeah so uh yeah he was one of the last drivers left uh from the 1950s era in uh that drove nascar so sad news but uh let's celebrate uh, the longevity of uh dick passwater the indianapolis native and uh larry so what do we got for three questions this week well steve it's good to be back with you 
I'd like to slide back a couple of weeks sure. to the Brickyard 400 uh, when they came down for their uh, competition caution pit stop. They had a big crash, uh, and it took out four, five, six really good cars and drivers. And uh, in deep in my 75-year-old mind, I thought I remembered when NASCAR set up these uh, return to racing with the short schedules and eliminating practice that they were going to have these competition uh, cautions but unlike normal ones, because there was no practice, they, I'm almost positive I saw that they were going to, when you came in for the competition caution, you could go back and you would be in the same uh, place that you were before. So if you were third, uh, mm-hmm. you, could go back, you could go back and you were in third. And I don't know if they quit doing that or never actually did it, but gee whiz. I'll tell you, that looked really bad to lose that many cars. Now I know Indy's uh, pit lane is really narrow. Right. And I just wonder, do you remember that about the... Uh, yeah, I do recall that. And and they were going to do that in the truck series. And I think they still do that in the truck series. And they're doing it in the ARCA series, too. Uh, ARCA oh, series is oh. really struggling right now. And, you know, this is one of these situations where... You know, people always complain we need to lower the uh, lower the costs of racing and, and and whatnot. And you're looking at the Arca series, which right now is a low car count of only about 20 cars uh, per week now. And this the situation where you run into with, with Arca is yes, the operations of the cars, maintaining of the cars is less, but unfortunately. They change the cars, and it's that initial investment. So you got a lot of guys who don't really have or want to make that initial investment of those cars. So Anarcha is a series that really lived for many years. Um, it was a series of used race cars, used cup cars. Mm-hmm. You even used uh, the old Bush cars and whatnot, and then uh, switching the engines back to V8s or whatnot, depending on the era. And, and so... You know, it's a series now where you have to basically build a new car to race in the series. And there's not a lot of people or the money out there to invest in that series. So, you know, what what sounds when you get a bunch of guys together in a, in a boardroom or even in a, at a racetrack, you know, and it makes sense. Yeah, let's, you know, with the carbon fiber, less... These, these these bodies last forever. You can bang and bang on them, and they're not going to bend. You don't have to replace the components. The Ilmore, you know, with the Ilmore engines they implemented a few years ago, it, it sounds good. It, it, it makes sense, but like I said, that's that initial investment. And you see that with a lot of series, you know, where, you know, if they switch cars and that, it takes a few years for them to set. So I hope NASCAR sticks with it because I love the Arca series. They need that extra layer in there, and uh, hopefully... You know they'll continue to thrive, uh, thrive. But yeah, that's one of the things where you know a lot of these guys don't have. Well, they were bringing. And the other thing they didn't like either were some of the top teams were bringing in cup, cup, cup guys over to do their their pit. You know their pit. Uh, uh, you know doing the pit stops and you uh-huh. can't have that. Yep. You know, that that's that's too much of a competitive advantage for a guy that's that's running it basically out of his garage. And there's a few of those guys down there and down in Southville doing that, so. 
Larry, what's hey, your first question? I I know uh, last weekend you spent a lot of time up at Road America, and I heard a lot of really good uh, comments from a number of people about it. I know the double header was caused because they needed to make up some races that were canceled early in the season. But with the good information coming from Road America, and it seemed to be really well accepted, do you think there's any chance that they might consider a double header for next year at Road America? IndyCar? Yeah, that's a good question because some of the teams, they, they did that. That was one of the things Randy Bernard did. Uh, early on and they did not there was some negative feedback on that so now with the pandemic that remains to be seen that's going to be up to the teams and i'm sure they'll be talking about it you know if if they can do the double header and but they have to have get the feedback from the teams and the crews and and you know it it because what was happening was it was it was really putting a lot of pressure on the on the crews and whatnot and with the IndyCar set schedule, you know, it's six months of chaos, and then you're laying the guys off basically for six months. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so maybe spreading out the, you know, the the, series, the schedule a little bit more may help that. But yeah, I, I mean, I, from a fan point of uh, fan point of view, in that, it was fantastic. And then Iowa, I thought last night and tonight, you know, I, I think it, it certainly makes a lot of sense doing the doubleheader that way. And I loved how I loved how they did the qualifying yesterday. So you don't have to do the rigmarole of uh, qualifying today. You know, qualifying is done. Uh, now the guys can just repair the cars or just do what they need to do to set up the cars for tonight, and they're done. Yeah, I thought that was u- really unique, the way they handled that. Mm-hmm. First lap for the first race, second lap for the second race. Speaking of Iowa, you were talking about uh, the uh, big crash with uh, Erda and uh, the young man from uh Marinus VK, yeah. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, Iowa Speedway was the first track built based on using the uh, safer barriers, that it was built from scratch, knowing that they were going to use safer barriers. And I think that design uh, really worked out well, and it showed it last night. Well, it really wasn't. Uh, Rusty Wallace was the one that kind of designed it, and... You know, it, it's it, it it's it's a big big track. You know, it has a lot of components of a lot of speed, but yet it's a short track and yet it's racy. And I, uh, you know, I it's it's a great track. If you've ever been there, it, it it's a great track to watch. You can see the whole track from the stands. But not only that, but especially for the IndyCar races, you go into turn one. And though you see those cars, they come in kind of high off of turn one and dive down. It is really, really cool watching those cars from the inside there. You really get a, a feel for the speed that, that they're carrying in the turn one. So it, it, it's a great track. And, and you know, you and I know this from, uh, you know, being out at Knoxville and whatnot. The people from Iowa are just so hospitable out there. They And, and the people at all the tracks out in Iowa just everybody says hello to you. Everybody treats you great, and you know, and you know, it, it, where else can you get a, a an ear of corn, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, fantastic what I was stuff get, out there. What I was getting at was all the other tracks that have got safer barriers that were already in existence. So when they put them on, they mm-hmm. lost three, four feet of 
space in the last, you know, up in the top part of the track. Sure. Whereas because they built it knowing they were going to do that, I think that the the radiuses that they had and everything, they were able to keep. Yeah, that does sound right. The other yeah. thing I was wondering, did you hear now that uh, Kyle Busch is going to race uh, the Tuesday night uh, between yeah. the Road America IMSA weekend and the NASCAR weekend up at um, WIR and Corcona? Yeah, is, and uh, those are... Uh... Those are always good races up there too. Great for late model racing. It doesn't get much better up there. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, there'll be a sizable amount of people uh, cheering and also a lot, you know, booing. So you know, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun for the for the fans up there. We're running kind of up against time here, Larry. Uh, let's do one more. Okay. Uh, what year did every pony car manufacturer have a factory back team in Trans Am racing? I believe that would have been 1970, I think. It seems like they always mention 1970. It's such an epic year. could have been 69, but if in 70, let's see if I can get this right. You had, um, let's start. You had Ford with Bud Moore, and what you had was a Fulmer and Parnelli, I believe. You had Penske with uh, Camaro, with Chevrolet Camaro with Donahue. You had Plymouth with Barracuda. With Sweet Savage and Dan Gurney, uh, Dodge with the Challenger with the Sam Posey team, uh, Pontiac with the Jim Hall team, which I think also included maybe Jerry. Uh, well, that might have been independent, but I think uh, Jerry Titus uh, drove a, a Trans Am or Firebird that year, and then uh, oh, and then AMC. AMC with uh, Peter Revson. Yep, 1970s, correct. You get another free mm. chicken dinner. Okay, excellent. We, we just have to catch the chicken somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Uh, Larry, uh, we'll, we'll have to see uh, how we're going to do with the logistics with next year in Road America. We actually might be able to tape something uh, up at Road America. So uh, stay tuned for that, Larry. Thanks, thanks again for uh, being on the show, and uh, we will chat again, my friend. Okay, Steve. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Get the latest in Formula One, and we have sports car, IMSA Racing at Sebring. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is from RacingNation.com, Eddie Lapine. Welcome to the show, sir. Eddie, Eddie. Yes. Hey, how are we doing today? Good. How are you? Fantastic. And a lot of racing going on. I was mentioning uh, earlier in the first hour, we basically have eight hours of racing today. We got, uh, of course, the Xfinity Series starting up now, IndyCar Series later, along with the Truck Series, and in Sebring, we have IMSA racing. Now, is this the 12 hours of Sebring, or what is going on today in Sebring with this weird schedule that we have? 
Well, with the revamp of IMSA's schedule, um, they're at Sebring for, you know, a, one of the makeup races that they're missing out this year. And they're going to do a two-and-a-half-hour uh, race at Sebring today, which is pretty exciting. But the weather has been pretty tough. The heat is really bad, and, you know, the rain is blowing in. It was very bad. Antonio Garcia was on the track yesterday in the rain. and They've won their 100th race with Corvette at Daytona, so they're pretty excited to be at Sebring. So it should it it should be an exciting race tonight and IndyCar racing and you know there's a full slate today for the race enthusiast. So are we running with fans? Is the paddock open? What what's going on uh, down in Sebring? No, I, I I couldn't even get down there, Steve. I I actually made a couple calls because I was going to go down there and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nobody's down there. Even people that have suites there were not allowed in there. So uh, John Gore's line has a suite there, and I was going to go there, and he was told that uh, he can't use it. So it's uh, very challenging times right now with racing, definitely. Yeah, it certainly is. And then, of course, Formula One uh, is, is in Hungary at the Hungary Ring which is not the easiest place to say. But, um, you, you know, it, it, we were hoping it was going to be we had rain in practice on, on Friday, and then they had qualifying today. Uh, the rain really didn't materialize. And uh, what Lewis Hamilton got his 90th pole, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the Mercedes show again uh, from last year. It, it's crazy. I thought, you know, everyone was anticipating Ferrari, I guess, to a certain point and what's I think even more disappointing is the Red Bull Honda of Max Verstappen isn't even in the mix and uh, you have Racing Point which is kind of exciting it's kind of turning into be the satellite Mercedes team with Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez which they qualified in the second row together so it and you know there's it wouldn't be Formula One if if there wouldn't be anything to talk about with the politics and the rules. And last week, Renault uh, put in a a protest saying that their brake ducts on the racing point were actually exactly like the Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton. And now they've confiscated both brake ducts from last weekend's race. So, it's exciting because there's three races in a row, and if, if you're not running well, it's going to be a really tough season. Well, it's certainly kind of frustrating from from somebody like me who's, you know, has a concern and, and is, as well as you do too with with Formula One with the car count where it, where it's at now. Um, you know, are we going to see the car count that we saw, you know, like 20 years ago when we had 20, was it 26, 28 cars? I don't think so, but still, we'd like to have a little more participation with more teams. But then again, you have a, a with Racing Point, this is a real si- interesting situation, and also with uh, Haas too. Uh, you know, next year, you know, Racing Point is basically using a year-old uh, Mercedes. And then, as from my understanding, you can kind of walk us through this. Next year, they have to make their own car, don't they? Right. And right. there's going to be big changes. And, 
yeah. you know, they want to put a, a cap on, on the money being spent, and that's the problem. And if you want to go to RacingNation.com and check out a story we did, it's called Fantasy Island, and it basically lays out what has happened to Formula One and how you just hit it on a you hit a, a bullseye because you basically said what happened to those 26 cars and mm-hmm. right now we're in a dilemma where we have 20 cars but we have teams like mclaren asking for loans to get through this we have williams who's looking to sell their team and that they lost 15 to 20 million dollars last year and and haas i mean and Haas is using the Ferrari engines and Alfa Romeo, and look at them. I mean, they're just absolutely struggling in the back of the field. Just uh, remember Formula One a few years ago when they had that percentage where if you didn't qualify within the percentage, you couldn't even race. And, And now we're in a situation of are we going to have enough cars that are going to make it mm-hmm. to 2021? 20, and for guys that, you know, I mean, Formula One is, is the biggest show in the world. And to see what's going on with the struggles and people just, you know, I mean, to see Lewis Hamilton winning every week does not help uh, a situation uh, for racing to have fans that are going to be interested in seeing it. So, I mean, there's lots of dilemmas going on, and hopefully, you know, we can get something, uh, you know, worked out for the future of the sport. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, and it seems like, you know, IMSA has gone through this too, and Formula One, it seems, and a lot of sanctioning bodies, you know, they, they, they love it when the manufacturers you know, come into the sport because they bring in so much money, but we all know that these, you know, the corporate boards only have so much time. You know, these programs have have a limited time that they want to spend this money, and then then in and when they do that, it's usually at the expense of the privateers. So the you know you have these manufacturers come into these and with these big racing programs, and then either five, you know, ten, fifteen years later they move on. The privateers are still there if they can survive, and now they're you know, and then sanctioning bodies are like, well, we need more privateers. Well, you know, it, it certainly is a balance between that. Uh, you want to covet you covet the uh, the manufacturers, but then again, you still have to have a degree of fairness for these privateers so they can compete, can't you, Eddie? Well, it's it's a really, and it's getting tougher and tougher because of the cost factor. And like with Ford pulling out last year with the Ford GT, and they're like, you know, they're in the media and stepping up and saying, well, we're gonna we're gonna support privateer. Well, nobody can afford to run that car. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the technical end of running a Ford GT, it's a mass people running the electronics alone it's like even when the audi e-tron quattro was racing the prototype that won lamar and how audi won it you know 10 times and i talked to drivers like tom christensen it takes 10 engineers just to start the car and nobody can afford that and and that's the dilemma of having a privateer the privateers are basically just 
falling to the wayside. It isn't, uh, you know, it's not worth them spending that kind of money to race by themselves, basically. Mm-hmm. Is it is it is it almost like Mercedes is almost thumbing their nose? The final question here, real quick, and we're coming up against time here. But it almost seems like Mercedes is almost thumbing the nose at the FIA, with uh, with Racing Point being so strong here at Hungary, isn't it? Well, we kind of knew that Mr. Stroll was and Total Wolf were definitely uh, sharing a yacht during the off season, and uh, I'd like to see some of the emails between those two guys because you want to say that this team has really produced incredible uh, in these three weeks. I mean, and you got a team like Ferrari spending $400 million million roughly, and they can't even find their way out of a paper bag right now, basically. So, I mean, it, it... there's definitely something going on and I think we'll find out with this protest and Mercedes. Yes. I think they are basically looking at everybody and saying, Hey, catch us if you can. I mean, when they can turn the wick up and go a second faster than everybody. And you know, you have Adrian Newey at Red Bull that, I mean, it's such a great team and Mm -hmm. you know, they've won a lot of races and they're struggling to keep up with Mercedes. So I, I, they're definitely, uh, I think they're above everybody again and in in the same situation that it was last year. It's going to be interesting. We've got Hungary today, or tomorrow, I should say, and then, of course, next weekend, uh, two weekends in a row, they're going to be up at, uh, in Britain, uh, and, and racing, uh, in, in England. And then you got Spain, Belgium. So a lot of neat rounds coming up here in formula one should be interesting to see Eddie. We certainly take you, uh, appreciate you taking well, time out of your and, busy schedule. And, and don't forget road America. IMSA will be up there in two weeks. So, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. we got something to look forward to, uh, after such an exciting race in the Indy cars last week. So, uh, IMSA should put on a pretty good show up there. It's really looking forward to that, too. So, Eddie, uh, make sure you check out his stuff at RacingNation.com, him and Jack Webster. And when we come back, uh, me and uh, Mayor Mitch will close out the show on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you get out there. The rain should be uh, slowing down, and uh, the, the drag strip should be dry, uh, should be dried out here in a short amount of time here with the heat and everything today. It's summertime, so uh, it's the Nitrous Street Car Brawl happening at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway this weekend. And then don't forget, next weekend, it's the Mopar AMC Festival at Great Lakes Dragway, and also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest in new and certified used uh, Hondas at David Hobbs, a wide variety of cars, and other makes and manufacturers, too, for uh, used cars at davidhobbs.com. I'd like to thank, uh, of course, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, for coming on the show today. Certainly appreciate it, along with uh, from frontstretch.com, Dennis Michelson, 
our, th our three questions with Larry Janicek and from RacingNation.com, Eddie Lapine. Appreciate those guys coming on the show. And uh, Mayor Mitch, thank you once again for working the knobs today. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. <laughs> Appreciate everything. And uh, looking forward to chatting with you next week uh, from Road America for the Vintage Races up at Road America next week on the Final Inspection Show. We'll talk to you next week. Like Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.